morning, church. How's everybody doing? That was pretty awesome, wasn't it? Can we just say thank you to the worship team? That was pretty cool. And that's the one thing I'd say about us as our, our church and our people is this, is that um, you're going to get who we really are, and you're going to hear what's real up here. And I, what I really wish is that you could, uh, you could just hear some of the conversations with some of these folks as we uh, open up the Bible and we, we eat a Chick-fil-A biscuit together and um, just to hear what's in their heart. And so what you see is genuine, man. And there's some of the, the, most, uh, the most awesome people I've ever met in my life. So I'm very thankful. Uh, I'm very thankful I get to go home with this one, right? I outpunted my coverage. Um, that's my wife. Don't, don't get weird. Anyway, uh, I just want to say good morning. My name's Buck Benton. I get to serve you as the campus pastor here at Connection Dublin. Uh, if it's your first time here, I just want to say uh, welcome. We're very excited that you're here. Uh, see, our mission statement's this, is that we want to connect people to a growing relationship with Christ. And so, you're people. So, when you come, we, you come in, we get really excited about it, okay? Cool. And uh, if you will, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to uh, 1 Samuel chapter 17. We're going to be picking up in week four of our series that we've entitled Faith and Fear. If we could, could we hit the lights down just a touch? Why don't we pray before we open up? Father, thank you for this time, God. Thank you for um, uh, just your presence here. God, thank you for the opportunity to preach the gospel. God, uh, nothing stops your word from going forward. Father, there's power in the name of Jesus. And so we thank you for that. I thank you for this time of worship. Uh, God, I just pray right now that, uh, Lord, if there's any distraction, anything in my way that would keep me from saying what you want me to say, God, I pray you remove that. I pray that right now you would open up our hearts to, uh, to hear your message, God, that it would fall on good soul, Lord, and that we would respond to your word as it's preached. Uh, God, I just pray right now you do that. Lord, I need you. And God, I thank you in that name. Amen. Amen. All right, so one thing we love to do at our church is that we love to celebrate. Right? That's one thing that I know without the shadow of a doubt we don't do enough is getting fired up when God does something, right? Like in between week to week, we're praying for God to do incredible things here. And so I want to tell you something. First thing is this. We've had two people come to know Christ in the last two weeks, all right? That's awesome. Isn't that, isn't that awesome? And here's the awesome part is neither one of them happened in a church service. Neither one of them happened in a church service. Both of them happened in a living room. And uh, just people being honest about where they were and said, y'all, I, I want to know Jesus. And so we got to pray with them in a living room. And it's just, it, 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 it fires me up so much, all right? And one more thing I want to celebrate. Um, as you know, if it's your first time here, uh, we are one church that meets in four separate locations, all right? So on any given weekend, we reach about 1,700 to 2,200 people on average. And uh, so that's a, that's a lot of people in a lot of different places. But one thing I want to be intentional about is celebrating when God does something in any one of our four campuses, all right? So last week is too cool of a story not to share with you. Um, our director of communications, his name's John Irvin. He's one of the most hardworking, uh, just disciplined, most incredible men I've ever met. And I'm so thankful that God's called him to our church uh, a little bit about his story. Uh, he grew up in a home that, that they didn't really go to church, and it just wasn't, uh, Jesus just wasn't a big topic, all right? And so he went to college at Georgia Southern, and he got hooked up with this small group of people that started this church called Connection Church about eight and a half, nine years ago, all right? And John really found his niche. That's where he found the Lord. That's where he was discipled, and he grew in the Lord. He served in literally every position you can think of at our church. He served everywhere. He was our first youth pastor, and he's just a super hard worker. Most of the stuff he's done was all volunteer. He wasn't paid, all right? And so about uh, a month ago, the last time we celebrated baptisms, 
he got to baptize his mom. Now, how cool was that? His mom met Jesus at one of our services, all right? And that would be a cool story in itself. But y'all, listen to this. He preached in our Statesboro campus last week, all right? He got the opportunity to preach. And we only had one salvation, all right? But guess who it was? It was his father, his own dad. He preached the gospel. And imagine, y'all, I would fall apart, wouldn't you? And his dad raised his hand for salvation. And so here, June 25th, he's going to get to baptize his dad. You talk about God doing something amazing in that family. Isn't that awesome? And this is the best news. Y'all, y'all hear this. We truly believe that the very best is yet to come, all right? That we're going to have stories like that here as we've already seen, and we're going to see more of them. So I wanted to share that with you before um, we got going, okay? All right, cool. So let's read some scripture. I'm ready to go. We're talking about vision today, all right? And nothing gets me much more excited than vision. If y'all can't tell, I'm not much of a sitter. I'm kind of a pacer and a walker, like I want to do stuff. And, and uh, so when we talk about vision and looking forward to a better future, it's like my blood starts moving a little faster and my foot starts tapping, man, like I'm so ready for it. So we're going to talk about vision today, but let's pick up in week four of our series that we've entitled Faith and Fear. And what we're looking at is the story of David and Goliath and how to live a life like David, how to, live, how to live a life of faith in the midst of fear. When struggles and difficulties and hard circumstances come up in our lives, how do we choose faith and trust the Lord, okay? So we're going to be in verses 38 through 40, all right? If you haven't been with us, I would encourage you to go back and listen uh, on our podcast or our app and catch up. Like, this has been an awesome series. I've really enjoyed it. And so David has just said, I'm going to fight Goliath. David is a shepherd boy. Goliath is a nine-foot giant, right? Total mismatch, okay? So David has just said, I'm going to fight him. And then we're picking up, verse 38. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic, all right? So Saul, that's the king of Israel, dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. All right, so basically Saul says, okay, if you're going to win this battle, you've at least got to put on my stuff, all right? You've got to put on my stuff if you're going to have a chance at beating Goliath. Now it says, I cannot go in these, David said to Saul, because I'm not used to them. So he took them off, verse 40. Then he took his staff in his hand. He chose five stones, five smooth stones from the stream, and put them in his pouch, in the pouch of his shepherd's bag. And with his sling in his hand, approached the Philistine. And so what can we get from this is that uh, David was not meant to fight Saul's battle. Does that make sense? And so as David envisioned the battle, it was not going to be Saul's medal and all of Saul's stuff on him that was going to give him victory in this battle, but rather God had a different vision for David. Something didn't feel right. As he put on this someone else's armor and he put on this sword and, you know, you can imagine a 16-year-old like dragging his foot to the like, like getting like leaning over trying to keep this heavy metal up, and it just wasn't working because that was someone else's vision for the battle. It wasn't David's, right? So David said, okay, this is a little bit more my speed. I'm going to pick up my sling, pick up these five rocks, and God's done it before. I know God's going to do it again, okay? So David had vision of how the battle would go. He saw something happening before it happened, and today we're going to be talking all about vision. So this is huge Absolutely huge. So if you're taking notes, write this down. We are going to be talking about vision for your life, vision for my life, and what vision is and what it's not, okay? If you have your Bibles, turn with you to Proverbs 29, 18. I want to show you how important vision is. It is huge. A life without vision is a wasted life. I want you to hear this, that that vision is huge, all right? 
All right, this is Proverbs 29, 18. I'll give you a second to get there. This is what it reads. It'll be on the screen if you don't want to flip around, right, and get, get all confused. It says, where there is no revelation, all right? Other, other versions say the word vision. Where there is no vision or revelation, something we see, all right? People cast off restraint. Another version says this, the people perish, okay? If I could put it in short, what this text is saying, where, where there is no vision, things are going to die. It's not going to go forward. Things are not going to go well. We have to have vision. It says where our people have vision, all right, it's going to be good. Where there is no vision, where there is no revelation, the people perish, all right? So we have to see something, okay? We have to see something happening. And we're going to be talking all about what it's like to have vision for our life and not to waste this one life we've been given. It's very, very precious, okay? So how would you define vision? Think about that for a second is how would I define vision? What is it? What, what, what is a, a vision? Is it something I see? And, uh, and I actually looked this up, and so here's the, the, the definition from Webster's. It says it's the act or the power of anticipating that which may, which will or may come to be. In other words, seeing something before it happens, all right, and then uh, making it happen. It says it may or may not happen, but you see something, and then you step into it, and you make it happen, all right? And so I want to give you an example. This is a funny story about vision, okay? I want to tell you a little bit about me every week, because I want you to know who I am, and I want you to know a little bit about me. Um, I come from a family that's a little bit on the crazy side. Is that anybody here? I'll tell you how my family's crazy. Like, we are psycho-competitive, okay? Like, my dad, uh, is he, he trained us that way, Lord bless him. He's still that way today. He does not like to lose, all right? About the age of eight, we played an infamous game on Sega Genesis. Anybody remember Sega Genesis? Some of our youth are like, dude, you're old, man. I know, I get it, all right? But we were playing Sega Genesis. I'll never forget it. We were playing sport talk, sports talk baseball, and my dad always whooped, on, whooped up on me. He wasn't the dad that, like, let the kid win. You know what I mean? Like, he beat me in the dirt and then made fun of me, like, after. All right? So this one infamous day, all right, his B button sticks. That's the, that's the button you throw the first with. I'll never forget it, as long as I live, all right? And so I had a runner on third, two outs, tied, bottom of the ninth. And here he comes, baby. I hit a ground ball to second. My man scores, and I'll never forget it. And he sets up, and he said, son of a, and throws the remote. This is no lie. Breaks the remote in front of his eight-year-old child, all right? And then it's like silent, like awkward. I'm like, is he going to hit me? Is he? It was, it was crazy. But I want to tell you that is that's the family I grew up in. My, my wife will tell you, like, we all want to win. If we're going to play marbles, we're going to try and kill you, all right? And I mean that. So... This, this year, I think the rake department wanted to play a little joke on my dad, all right? And my brother was in Mike Ball. That's the 9- and 10-year-old league. And so they drafted his team four. And that year, they didn't let the coaches pick, but they drafted the team. And y'all, when those rosters came out, I mean, it was like all the kids that picked their nose all day. And like the kids that hang out in ISS, they don't even get to go to the playground to take ground balls. Like they're in ISS, okay? Uh, you know, live with uh, grandparents, you know, the, the whole deal. But kids that just haven't gotten the opportunity to learn how to play baseball, all right? And so it's like my little brother and then, like, no chance. I mean, zero. Like, they're looking, there's 16 games on the schedule. Y'all, it ain't happening. You hear me? I mean, it is going to be bad. They're going to be run-ruled. And so um, my dad uh, was a man of vision, okay, in that he does not like to lose. I'm pretty sure he would have got kicked out of the league if it, if it went like it was going to go. And so he began to formulate a vision, and, and his vision was to create a winning team out of a team that was not good, all right? That was his vision, 
All right? And so he got it scheduled, and y'all, this is what he did. I'll never forget it. He started writing up permission slips, okay? And he wrote them up. And so he made a bunch of copies, and he took them to Lyons Elementary School. I'll never forget it, as long as I live. And he gave it to all the kids, and he sent it home. And basically, like, these kids are trouble. I know they're probably trouble when they go home, and there's just not a lot of people investing in them. This is what he said. He said, my son and I are going to hit baseballs and practice baseball every afternoon from 3.30 to 5.30. If you would like free child care, sign below. That's what he said. All right? This is no lie. Okay? So Monday through Friday, every day for two weeks before the season started, uh, these kids were all loading up in vans. And by the way, the parents were jacked, right? Like free child care, two hours? Like, I'm in. And so he had like 100% attendance, okay? These parents were like, yes, thank you. Anyway, so every day my dad's out there and he's teaching these kids that have never picked up a ball. He's teaching them how to throw. He's teaching them how to bat, and they're like little drill sergeants out there. Like, he's got them on stations. They're rotating around, and these little eight-year-olds are sweating when he gets done, okay? And so the season comes in, and believe it or not, they win. They win the first game, all right? And they go back to practice next week, and he's drilling them, and he's going, he's going. And they win the second game, and they win the third game. And so this winning streak starts, and all of a sudden, this big they go in the feed. About halfway through the season, they play in a weekend tournament with, like, travel ball teams, they go undefeated, 3-0. and I mean, these are kids that before, like, held the bat like this. You know what I mean? You know? And they're hitting bombs, man, and they're winning games. And so the season went on, and at the end of the year, they were a perfect 16-0 and league champions. Right? And so you say, well, what, what does that have to do with vision? Vision is this. Vision is something that's stepped into. Hear that again. Vision comes with action steps. Because see, here's the thing. My dad could have easily have had a dream to have a winning season, right? Like he could have prayed all he wanted. He could have, he could have like, uh, like begged God, like, God, man, and he could have been fired up. Like, man, it's Tuesday night. We got a game, man. I feel like we're going to win. And then you show up and you lose by 20, right? Because he'd have been dreaming. But the difference between a dream and a vision is dreams come with action steps. Hear that again. Dream, I mean, vision comes with action steps. Hear that again. Vision comes with action steps. There has to be something behind vision. A vision is walked out. A dream is just wishful thinking, right? And I find myself this. I love the dream. Don't y'all love the dream? I love to think of a better future. And I love to see things to be better, all right? But if I did that all day and if I didn't step into anything... Like, there would be no vision, right? That's a dream. Dreams die, visions move forward. And so here's the deal. What I've loved so much, and I love talking about vision, is because I saw this a long, long time ago, all right? And then God started bringing it into focus, and he started bringing it into reality as I began to step into the vision. Does that make sense? And so I get so excited, and it gives me courage to take next steps because I know that when we step in and we trust God at each step, the vision begins to come reality, and we begin to see things come together. And so this is what I want for you. I want vision for your life, all right? I want vision for your life. You know what happens when we don't have vision for our life? We're like a one-legged duck, all right? Y'all know what one-legged ducks do? They swim in circles, right? They don't go anywhere. That wasn't very funny. Um, but I want to give you vision. I want to talk about that. And I want to tell you is this. One, vision doesn't happen by accident. We don't become something by accident. You may have dreams of working up to the top of your company and owning it one day. That may be your dream. All right? It may be your dream to be a phenomenal worker, to be the best employee you could be. Whether, wherever you work, I want to be the absolute best. And you can go home and say that every day, but it remains a dream. One, you may want to be the kind of dad or the kind of mom that your kids like love, that you invest in your kids regularly, that you are a phenomenal parent. 
And that can be a dream, but until it comes with action steps, it remains just a dream. You may want to be the best spouse you could possibly be. You want to invest. You want to have a phenomenal marriage. You want to have this phenomenal uh, relationship with your spouse. But here's the thing. Without action steps, it remains a dream. You may want to have an incredible relationship with the Lord. This stuff we preach about every week about people getting saved. You may want to be a part of it. And you may want to have a relationship with God where you're like, man, I want to hear from God like he talks about. But here's the deal. Without action steps, that remains just a dream. Amen? I'm preaching a little bit now. Y'all here today? Y'all wait? Let's keep going. Hear this, that we don't want to dream. We want to have vision for our life because here's the thing. We are here for a short while. The Bible says that we are here. We're like a vapor. We're like a mist. That means we're here today, gone tomorrow. I was reading in Psalm 103, and it talks about that we're here like flowers that bloom up in a season, okay? And then the wind blows over it, and the season changes, and we're gone. The most precious commodity here we have is what? Is time. Let's invest it in a vision. Hear that again. The most precious commodity we have is time. Let's invest it well. Let's invest it with purpose and intention. Okay? That's where I'm going today. So I want to be transparent about my life. And you can ask anyone here. Three years ago, I was a different person. And it's going to hurt me to tell you all this. And I hate being transparent and telling you, like the real story, but the real story is three years ago, I was super lazy. I was a really lousy husband. I was super selfish, super prideful. I would rather go out with my friends and play golf, softball, something else than spend time with my wife. Um, when I got home, I would rather look at wrestling stats and get ready for the tournament than invest in my family. Uh, I would rather uh, go to work and, and uh, come home and not say a word to anybody and look at Facebook on my phone. Like that was my life. And, like, I got to this certain age where I realized I was living my life like I was going to get to do it over again. Just wasting the, the crud out of time. I about to say crap, there's little kids. Anyway, uh, just wasting the crud out of my time, all right? Just wasting it. I was living life like I was going to get to do it over again. But I had these dreams like I was going to be a phenomenal husband, that I was going to live a good life. And people thought I was a good person. They thought I was a good person from the outside looking in. They thought I was a good person. I was like, well, I guess that's good enough. Like, I, you know, I'm getting by. I'm scrounging by. But the reality of it was I was daggum miserable, man. And finally, when the rubber met the road, when I hit my wall, I began to realize I had to take action steps. Hear that again. I had to take action steps. Remember, the Bible says where there is no vision, people cast off restraint. So I want to share with you my first action steps. Okay? Now, they're super simple. They were called what-if statements. I'll never forget. I wrote down, I got my computer out, and I began to write down these statements. And I said, what if? What if? I began to formulate vision for my life. What if? What would my life be like if I was disciplined enough to walk into this? Okay? Here are my first what-if statements. One is this. What if I spend more time in the Word than I did watching TV? Just that simple. Trading TV for the Bible. What if? What if I spent more time praying then skimming apps on my phone. Hear that again, simple, just replacing time. What if I spent more time praying than I did skimming apps on my phone? What if I was devoted to a disciplined lifestyle? That means pursuing excellence in all areas of my life, that I didn't just get by anywhere, but I wanted to be excellent in everything. What if I pursued that? What if it was a disciplined life I wanted? What if I love my wife like Christ loves his church? Now, that's a scary one. I don't know if you read much about the Bible. Christ gave his whole life for the church. That's why we talk. That's why we're here. That's why we preach. What if I really loved my wife? What if I showed her in action? What if I really like spent time with her and pursued her heart, gave her gifts and loved her? What, what, what might God do? 
What if I pray with my family every night for the rest of my life? I've fallen down in that one. But what if I prayed with my family every night? Non-negotiable. That's going to happen. What if I started reading my Bible with my family every night? What might happen? Would I make disciples of my family and we'd go share the gospel with more and more people? What might happen? What if loving my family and leading them to Christ was my number one goal? What if loving Christ with all my heart was my number one goal? What if loving Christ with my heart was my number one goal? Like, when, like I gave God a true blank slate. God, here I am. I give him a true blank slate. What if that was my number one goal? What if I was willing to give up everything for Christ? Name it. Job, all that stuff. What if I really put it at the altar? What if I really said, God, here it is. What might he do with my life? What might he do if I really said, I'm going to, here I am. Here's a blank check. What if Christ was more important than winning wrestling matches? All right? Some of you laugh, but I want to tell you something. As selfish as I was, that was the hardest part of giving up my former job was wrestling. All right? I loved it. All right? Too much. Carly knows there's many days I talked to coaches for hours. I, I couldn't turn it off. It was an addiction. I loved it so much. But what if I love Christ more than that? What if I love Christ more than that hobby? What if Christ was more important than having fun with my friends? What if Christ was more important than me going and playing softball every weekend or going to play golf and all the time and like not spending any time with uh, my family but rather trying to find the next fun thing to do? What if I really like love Christ more than that? What if Christ was more fulfilling than an unhealthy diet? Y'all, I know like I'm, I'm not like cute, but I want to tell you something. I, I did not eat well. I've been, I've been heavier at a few points in my life, and I felt horrible. And I felt horrible. What if I was disciplined enough to have a healthy lifestyle? And then lastly, what if I prayed over my, what if I prayed over my wrestlers and students for salvation? What if I gave God the glory in everything? Would God bless my efforts if I gave him the glory in everything? And it came down to this question. This is the one, whether you've been taking notes or not, I want you to write this, because this, this is where it all spearheaded for me. Do I want what the Lord wants for my life, or do I want what I want for my life? Hear that again. This is where it all rubber met the road. Do I want what Christ wants for my life, or do I want what I want for my life? And y'all, that was the question. That was the most difficult question I've ever asked myself in my whole life. But this is where vision began to, 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 to happen. It was like a churning of, of a, like a big pot. And man, this thing started happening where I started seeing things differently. And I began to get more freedom in my life. And I began to have more purpose in my life. And I began to want to wake up. And I began to want to go to work. And I began to want to do things because I had what? I had vision. I had vision. I was headed somewhere for the first time in my life. And so I want to ask you this question is this. Like, what, what, is, God, what is God's vision for your life? What is God's vision for your life? Because see, here's the thing. I would say it with confidence. A life without purpose and vision is a wasted life. Hear that again. A life without purpose and vision is a wasted life. And I want to point you to something that no matter where you are with God or wherever you walked in here with, I want to tell you something that applies to all of us. Like, our life here is very finite, right? We only get to do this thing one time. We only get one life to live. I mean one, you know? Maybe God blesses us with 90 years, okay? It'll be here in the blink. And it says in the context of eternity, it's a vapor. It is a, it is a here today, gone tomorrow. And the most precious commodity we have is time. And how we invest it is of utmost importance. Wouldn't y'all agree? That's just logic. That's truth, right? So I want you to ask yourself, well, what is the vision for my life? Okay? What is the vision for my life? The second thing I want you to see in this text is this. Vision moves us beyond how it's always been done. Hear that again. Vision moves us beyond how it's always been done. Because you see, for 40 days, David and Goliath, this story, Goliath had been 
telling these Israelites they can't take him. And for 40 days, they had just cowered away in fear. David's faith and his vision moved him beyond how it always been done. Because how it always been done when he got there is that we're scared of this fool. Like, I guess I've got to be scared of him too, right? No, David's vision moved him beyond how it's always been done. And here's the thing. It's a little different here, isn't it? Talking about in our time together, right? It's a little bit different. And that's because I don't believe we've always meant to do it the way it's always been done, right? See, here's the thing. At this church, we're married to the mission, not the method. Hear that again. We're married to the mission, and that's connecting people to a growing relationship with Christ, making disciples of all nations, Matthew 28. That's what we're married to. And we'll do whatever it takes to carry out the mission. Amen? That's what we do. That's what we're here. And so God doesn't want us to put on someone else's tunic. I want to share this with you for a second is this. Uh, God doesn't want you to do it and follow him like everyone else. He's got a special, unique design and vision for your life. It's not meant to be done like anyone else's. Your story is unique. And one thing I feel like holds us back in this culture, now you're going to agree when I say it, is that we feel like we have to live the lives our parents handed us. Wouldn't you agree? We have to feel like we have to live the life our parents handed us. And some of you, I know you come from horrible situations. All right? Some of you, you just come from situations where God wasn't really present. Some of you come from situations that's just unexplainably not good. But I want to tell you something is that you don't have to live with those chains, that God doesn't want you to live at what's been handed down. What's been the norm from your family is not you. You're going to write your own story. God wants to give you specific vision. He wants to speak to you, all right? Don't let tradition shape your life. Let the gospel shape your life. Hear that again. Do not let tradition shape your life. Let the gospel shape your life. I know, and I know this, that the, the way we talk about Jesus and the way we, we share him here, that it's not normal. But I want to tell you something. You want to hear my vision? Is that the way we talk about Jesus becomes more normal. You hear that again? That, that the way we talk about Jesus becomes more normal. That we don't want it to be about tradition. We want it to be about the gospel. We don't want it to be about the way it's always been done. And so I want to share a story with you and, and just give you courage that don't let tradition hold you back from God being who he wants you to be. Maybe it's your friend circle that you would be the first one to truly step out in faith, that you would be the first one to really take a step and say, yep, I'm in, all right? And I know how scary that is. I know how scary it is to do something that's never been done before, but I want to give you courage, and I want to tell you this, is don't let it shape your life. One of, uh, one of my wrestlers, and it's going to be tough to share this, but um, he was a young man from the inner city. I mean, he, he had the roughest upbringing. I mean, it was bad, really bad. And I invested in him, and I spent time with him, and I wanted him so badly to make it. Y'all, his heart's like a, it, it would fill up a five-gallon bucket, just a huge heart. I mean, just, uh, I could see so much potential, but I want to tell you what he came from. His dad was an absolute kingpin in the streets. I mean, his dad was a drug dealer from the word go, rough customer, the kind you don't want to run into. And I remember just investing in him, and y'all, he, he just wrestled so badly that he couldn't see. He couldn't see what I saw, and I wanted him to get it so bad. I wanted, I'm like, you can do it. You can make it through. And I remember reading a text message from his dad, and his dad basically called him, he, he called him this big, I mean, he, I can't even say the words he said. He said, you're a phony, that you ain't falling into this lifestyle. I mean, imagine your own dad pulling you into the streets and saying, this is what you'll always be, Right? Some of you right now, the enemy tells you, I'll always be what I am. It'll always be this way. It's been this way my whole life. It was this way with my family. It's like this with all my friends. This sin, this thing we do, it'll always be this way. I want to tell you something. That's not God's story for your life. He loves you more than that. 
He wants what's best for you. He doesn't want to take that from me. He wants to give you life. He wants to do that. And I'm telling you that from a person that lived in the chains of a mediocre life, like a crappy one, cruddy, sorry. A mediocre life. And I thought that's what it would always be. But God said, no, I've got, I've got more for you. If you'll just step, if you'll, if you'll follow me, I've got more. I've got more for you. Just step. And I, wouldn't, I, I, wouldn't, I just can't wait. I want to keep on stepping. And I want more people to find vision for their life and walk beside me. That's my, that's my heart. That I want, I want that for you. I don't want it from you. Everything we do at our church is this. We want to give you a growing, flourishing relationship with Christ. We want it for you, not from you. Okay? I mean that. And I mean that as sincere as anything. And we want that for you, not from you. So I say again. Let the gospel change your life because it's the same way in church, right? Like tradition can choke out the gospel. How it's always been done can choke out the gospel. Don't let tradition choke out the gospel in your life, but let the gospel begin to shape your life. Don't let how it's always been done keep you from following the Lord. So I want you to ask yourself this question. What is God speaking to me right now about moving beyond the way it's always been done? What is God speaking to me right now about moving beyond how it's always been done? In my life, what is he speaking into my heart? What does he want me to do next, okay? And I want to finish, and I'm going to share a little more scripture with you. I want you to write this down is, how do I get vision for my life? Where you're like, Buck, you're sharing a lot of passion about vision. You're talking about uh, action steps, and you're talking about a vision as something we step into. Well, well, how do I even get started? Like, what does it even look like? What what does it look like to do this? Good news is the Bible's going to lay this out a little bit for us. Turn with me to John chapter 3, verse 3. John chapter 3, verse 3. We're going to talk about how to get vision from God for your life. How do I get vision from God for my life? John chapter 3, verse 3. And, I'm, and here's the deal. I, this is going to be on the screen. I'm probably going to read it from the screen. I don't want you to have to flip and slow down what we're doing here. Um, verse 3 is this. It says, Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, and this is a verse that's been, it's been awesome. In small group, this is what we've been sharing and people have been meeting Jesus. So we, we got to keep going with it. It says, Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, no one can see. Remember, vision is seeing something. No one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Now you're like, pastor, what the heck? I, I, can't, I can't get up in there and do that again, right? Like, I can't be born again. What are you talking about? What God's saying here and what Jesus is telling this Pharisee named Nicodemus is this. is the Nicodemus is curious about Jesus and who he is and what it means to follow him. And he says this. He says that you can't see the kingdom of God. You can't see a vision from God for your life until you're born again. That means that when we trust Jesus as Lord of our life, like we believe that he is who he says he is and he can change our heart. God, we're born again. We were dead spiritually, and when we trust Christ, we're given new birth through the Spirit. We are spiritually alive for the first time. Isn't that a beautiful thing? We're spiritually dead until we meet Christ, and then he awakens our heart, and we become spiritually alive, and we have eyes to see the kingdom of God. So here's the deal. Your first step for a vision from God is salvation. Hear that again. Your first step for a vision from God is salvation. Is you cannot see what he wants you to see until you place your faith in Christ. You surrender your life to Christ. I said it again last week. So many times we want to get things from God, right? Like we want God to give us these things in our life, but we swerve around Jesus like we can just bypass them and not 
like follow him and not submit our lives to him and like God's just going to give us stuff. That's not the gospel. That's not the good news. The good news is when I come and I finally lay myself down right here at the foot of Christ, he picks us up and then we have vision to walk, right? Does that make sense? So it starts with Christ. That's your own ramp. That's the first step. Next thing I want to talk about is this, Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. This will be on the screen. Don't feel like you got to flip. Um, Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. It says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, okay? This is from God, speaking through a prophet. Your thoughts are not my thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. He says, you're different than me. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways, the what I know, my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Here's the deal. The second step for getting vision is to know you need instructions. Hear this again. Number two, you need instructions. I need instructions. The second step is this, is to begin to read the Bible. Okay? Begin to read the Bible. Begin to learn who God is through his word. That that's how we get vision from God is we begin to read the Bible and hear from him. Right? And that we have to know we, we come with instructions. That we need something. And here's the deal. I'm going to give you a, uh, a little hint. If you've not read the Bible much, um, you're going to learn you're wrong a lot. All right? You're going to learn you're wrong a lot. That we come to it thinking we know what we're talking about, and then we begin to read the Bible, and we see that, man, this guy knows much more than I do. God knows more than I do. And here's the deal. He knows how you function best. He created you. Jeremiah 1.5 says that he created you in your mother's womb. He knows right now every hair on your head. Now, doesn't it make sense that the one who forms you knows how you best function? Wouldn't you agree? That's why we come to the world is we, we need instructions from God. Henry Blackaby says it like this, a book I'm reading right now. It's phenomenal. Uh, it's a workbook called Experiencing God. Right now, like if, you, you know, if you're playing on your phone, like I forgive you right now, okay? Um, but go ahead and Amazon, get it to your house, change your life, all right? But this is what he says. He says, if you want to know the will and the voice of God, all right, you must devote time and effort into cultivating a love relationship with him, which is what he wants. Hear that again. You must devote time and effort into cultivating a love relationship with him. That means this. We can dream of knowing God all day long, but when we begin to put action steps with what our heart's longing for, vision begins to line up, and we begin to learn who God is. And here's the thing. You don't have to be perfect at it, all right? If this is your next step, join a connect group. I'm telling you, these folks are normal. Most of them are right in the place you are is that they've never read the Bible consistently in their whole life, okay? You're not going to be sitting down amongst a bunch of theologians. Like, we want this for you is that we want to learn to hear from God and take steps and to follow God. So here's the deal. That's your next step. If you want a vision from God, join a connect group. I'm telling you. It's a place where we come together, we have fun, we eat, and we start learning to hear from God through his word. It's an incredible place to be. Next thing I would say is don't let pride stop you. Hear that again. Don't let pride stop you from becoming who God wants you to be. Number one enemy. See, it was the original sin. God, I know better than you do. Hear that again. I know better than you do. Don't let pride stop you. And that, nope, I, I, I really want my life. I really want it the way I want it. God, you cannot have it. Don't let it stop you. Uh, I, I, hear me. It is a lie from the enemy. Hear that one more time. It is a lie from the enemy that tells you that that life's not for you, that what you're living is better. I, I'm telling you from someone that's been on this side of the fence and then stepped into uh, uh, wanting to follow God, it is a lie from the enemy. I would not step back into anything I had. I would, I, I would not do that ever. Nothing could keep me from what I'm experiencing. 
Now, I want to tell you, don't let that lie stop you from following the Lord, from taking your next step. See, the word of God is this. This is from Blackaby. Again, it says, don't let pride stop you. God's word is our guide. The pattern in scripture is that God always gives us a direction in the, on the front end. That means that he'll tell you where to go. If you're scared to death right now, God's got that part taken care of. He'll take you where you need to go. It says he may not tell you what you want to know, all that you want to know on the front end. But he will tell you what you need to know to make the necessary adjustments as you take the first step of obedience. If you're scared and you don't know what it looks like, you're exactly where you need to be. You're exactly where you need to be. God says that you just take the first step, I'll step in from there on out. I'll show you the next one. But that first one's the hard one. That's the tough one to say, yep, I'm in. Heart and soul, I'm in. God, I, 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 I want you. He will give you the action steps. You just take the first one. To come to know them, to join a connect group, to begin reading your Bible. What, whatever your next step is, I, I'm begging you, take that step, okay? James 1, through 25 says this. It'll be on the screen. It says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, but do what it says, all right? Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror. And after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it. All right, hear that again. Who continues in it. One who looks into the word and begins to take steps, action steps, vision. Begins to step into who God says you want, he wants you to be. Whoever does that. That says, and not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what you do. God says this, that he wants to bless you in your life. That this life, he wants to give you blessing. He doesn't want to take anything from you. Y'all, he loves you more than you could ever know. He loves you more than anything you could imagine. He is the God of the universe who could have made this world any way he wanted, but he made it just like he did. He made you just like he did, and he brought you here to hear this message. God's sovereign. He's in control of all things, and he wants you to hear this, is that he wants to give you life not take it from you. He wants to give you life, not take it from you. And as the band gets ready to come out, I, I want to finish with this text. And th this is um, huge, and I want you to hear this. And this is what it looks like, taking that first step, that big step. Hebrews 11.6 is where we'll be. Just like everything in this series... We've had a series titled Faith and Fear. And I know that point, that, that drawing, that calling. I know the fear that's present. But I want to tell you what steps of faith looks like and what God says about faith. Because faith is this. Faith is believing in confidence, something that you can't see yet. Faith is believing and having confidence in something you can't see yet. And so this whole chapter of the Bible is all about steps of faith. It's all about faith. That God's word says this, that we come to know Christ when we place our faith in him, that whoever should believe in him and place their faith in him will not perish but have eternal life. So let's see what it says about faith. It says, and without faith, seeing something and doing something we can't see yet, without faith, it is impossible to please God. It's impossible to have vision from God, all right, without faith. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Stop right there. Hear that again. That he rewards those who earnestly seeks him. Uh, this is something I want you to leave with. God blesses obedience. 
Hear that again. When we take steps of faith, God blesses us. It says he rewards those who earnestly seeks you. You may think you've lived a life that's been awful and that you're so far from God that you've got to work real hard to go this way, to take steps of faith to get to him. This is what this text says right here. It says that when we take that first step, when we seek God, he meets us where we're at. He blesses us right here. That's incredible, isn't it? No matter what you've done, no matter what you've come in here with today, this is the God of the Bible that he says that you take that first step. He meets us right here in this place. Finishing the text, Hebrews 11, 8. I want to talk about by faith. This is what it will look like. This is the final point. This is why to live a life of vision, to get a vision from God, to live a life with purpose. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, it says what he obeyed and went. When God was telling him to do something, this is where some of you are today. When God was telling him to do something, all right? When God was telling him to do something, it says he obeyed and went. Even though he did not know where he was going. I know that feeling. I know it. Even though he did not know where he was going, he felt God pulling him. Next verse. It says, by faith, he made his home in a promised land, like a stranger in a foreign land. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, where where they were, who were heirs with him of the same promise. Now, this is the best news all day long. Verse 10. For he was looking forward, all right? When Abraham was walking in faith, he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. That's the promised land. So here's the deal is we take that first step of faith and we know that God's given us vision and we trust Christ with our life. You know where vision from God ends up? Heaven. Hear that again. A vision from God ends in heaven. A vision from God ends in heaven. And this is why I preach so passionately is that I don't want anyone to miss out on that vision. I don't want anyone to miss out on that vision, that a vision from God, His word says it, it's gonna end in heaven. Pray with me. Father, thank you for your message today, God. Thank you for the truth. Lord, I love sharing your word, God. I love sharing about how true it is and God, just how real it is. And so I just pray right now of this place. If I know there are steps of obedience that need to be taken. We all have a next step. And God, if there's someone here that they know that step is salvation today, it says that when Abraham felt God calling him, he obeyed and went. By faith, he obeyed and went. That he took that step, that he raised his hand, that he did it. He actually didn't think about it or dream about it, but he took the step of obedience. And so if that's anyone in here today, I'm just going to ask, would you lift your hand? Is that anyone in here today that you know that that's your first step? Amen. Is there anyone else? I'll give you a second. Amen. Father, for the rest of us, God, I just pray right now, Lord, I... uh, Maybe some of the people are are in a place I was at, God, where uh, I realized that I was living my life like I was going to get to do it over again. God, like I was going to, I was going to get to get a redo or I was going to get to get that time back where I was playing on my phone when I was just being selfish. God, when I was being prideful, when I didn't want to to do anything but what I wanted to do all the time. God, I thought that I was going to get that time back. Lord, and it's a lie. It's not true. God, I thought that I would get that back. And God, your word says that, that our time here is short. God, I pray that today, God would just have birthed vision into someone, God, that you would have 
birth vision into someone that, that we would step into and become who you want us to be, God, because your word says that when we come to know you, God, we're adopted as sons and daughters. Father, we are sons and daughters of the king of the universe, the creator of all things. God, that's glorious. Father, I, I, I love you. I thank you for this time. And God, I just invite everyone as I'm getting ready to come down off the stage and pray. God, I just invite everyone to come pray. God, to just come forward and pray and ask to get vision, revelation. God, it says when we have no revelation, the people perish. And God, I pray that we would come and just pray for you to show us our next step, Lord. God, I invite everyone to that. Lord, we love you. In thy name.